Welcome to the Purpose Driven Educator Podcast, a show that explores what motivates educators to do their life's work. Here's your host, Dr. Jeffrey Miller. You are one of a kind. This is a common expression used when someone wants to remark on a person's uniqueness or special talent. It is great to be considered an original, but in education, what about the concept of authenticity? I'm not talking about some abstract interpretation of the term. I'm literally speaking about an educator's genuineness, their credibility. You could say their ability to be real. You may be wondering, why is it so important to be authentic in education? After all, we have high standards, rigorous curriculums, and high-stakes assessments. So why not focus on effectiveness? Well, it doesn't take much to see that our society is in crisis. We have issues with civility, integrity, respect, and self-control, among many other societal virtues that were previously held in high regard. More people are cheating, gaming the system, and looking for shortcuts. Not to beat on social media, but our obsession with gaining more followers, more likes, more views have taken a toll on public education and educators' ability to reach students today. In my experiences in urban public schools for the past 18 years, I've witnessed more and more students and teachers struggle with social and emotional competencies. More than ever before, students today have far more trauma, hardships, and overall emotional baggage to overcome before paying attention to any content delivered in the classroom. However, I believe that if educators want to make a difference in the lives of today's young people, we will need to teach and model social and emotional competencies. Suffice it to say, the key to being able to do this is rooted in our ability and willingness to be vulnerable and transparent with how we approach challenges in our lives, and it begs for us to be authentic and real with our students. No one is perfect. We all have areas to grow and develop when it comes to social and emotional skills. However, educators' authenticity should never be compromised because it is a critical factor in our ability to break barriers with students. With this in mind, how can educators cultivate and maintain authenticity? Now, to address this question, I had a conversation with an educator and public servant that is widely known across the state of Texas as a leader in authenticity, Mr. Ty G. Jones. Mr. Jones is a public servant, is a school board member in the Lancaster Independent School District, and an educator in the Grand Prairie Independent School District. We talked a lot about how Mr. Jones developed his own authenticity, and he shared some suggestions and ideas uh, to help others to be able to cultivate and maintain authenticity in their work. So enjoy the conversation. Um, all right, so we're here with our with our guest, Mr. Ty G. Jones. He is a, um, a board member, school board member for the Lancaster Independent School District, an educator for many years, and uh, we're excited to have him on the show. And um, you know, when you think about this topic, authenticity in education, uh, you would probably see his picture in the dictionary. <laughs> He's the definition of authenticity. So definitely, um, but I know that that you didn't start that way. So uh, as as many of our listeners here, 
you know, we love to know about your journey in education. Like, how did you, how did you uh, get to this point in your your career in education? So, if you can just share a little bit about your background. All right, definitely, man. Thank you for the invitation uh, to be a part of this inaugural season, man. Which I know is going to be fabulous, and we're going to continue mushrooming some greatness. Uh, my story kind of starts back. 1992, I believe it was. I just got my associate's degree. I was in a um, ice cream parlor in Dallas and saw one of my elementary school teachers. She asked what I was doing. I told what I was doing proudly, and she was like, well, uh, we need some more African-American men in education. So that uh, prompted me to go back, get my undergraduate, and then pursued um, alternative certification. And then from there, I taught for a few years, uh, began to advance uh, students, their outcomes, where I was, I was serving in, in my community. It's one of the key things there. I mean, I, I was able to go back and teach at the elementary school that I attended. Oh, and that's then amazing. Teach, and then teach alongside some of the teachers who taught me. Hmm. So that was uh, one of the key points of getting me into education itself. And uh, my forte has always been numbers and mathematics, so... I transitioned uh, from Dallas ISD into uh, another school in Dallas and then into Duncanville. And uh, Duncanville pretty much catapulted me into textbooks where I was on the advisory board for McMillan McGraw-Hill, then into Lancaster ISD as a specialist and then a coordinator. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, I entered Grand Prairie ISD and their assessment and research department in which I've uh, gone from the manager of district assessments into the coordinator of instructional management system. Uh, throughout that time, when I left Lancaster, I had several colleagues reach out to me about uh, joining the school board. So they wanted, you know, they felt we needed uh, someone with, edu- with an educational background on the board. So I pursued that, was able to win uh, my seat, and I've uh, ran unopposed for the last two terms. During my time on the board, our board was recognized as the 2016 Outstanding School Board of the Year for the state of Texas. Uh, This award is presented by the Texas Association of School Administrators. We then were recognized by the National Alliance of Black School Educators as the School Board of the Year 2016. 2017, we received uh, the National School Board Association's Council for Urban Boards of Education uh, Annual Award of Excellence. Uh, in 2018, we were just recognized in May by ATB as their uh, award, Excellence in Education Award recipient for the small district. So that also provided us with a $50,000 award, which we plan to use to advance other programs and initiatives within the district. So that's my educational side in a, in a nutshell, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do some other things in finance and and, uh, and also consulting mm-hmm. in which I'm able to kind of share some of the insights from my board leadership. Uh, I served as board president for six consecutive years, and during that time, the district closed uh, many of our educational gaps as well as getting those recognitions that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. That is amazing, amazing accomplishment. I know you're 
Uh, I know you. I've worked with you in a couple of districts, and I know that you're a very modest man, but those are some major accomplishments to be able to to, all, to have all those under your belt. And and I find it very interesting in that in that connection as to how you became an educator and, and to pursue excellence uh, in every aspect of your career, that you it started with a teacher that you knew who kind of lit a fire under you. And then, uh, of course, that experience of working with educators uh, that you that taught you. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that was pretty uh, an amazing experience. So, so tell me when when you actually decided, okay, that you were going to go into education. Um, was there ever a moment when you felt like, okay, maybe this is not for me. I need to do something else. Or how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, there were several points. Uh, again, as I mentioned, I'm, I love my numbers. I, uh, 2000, actually 1998, I actually left the uh, profession mm-hmm. and got my securities license and, and insurance license and was going to spend a lot of time, you know, doing that, providing sales and uh, making myself rich and helping other people to reach their goals. But in doing that, I realized that I enjoyed impacting the lives of the youth more than I did of the adults. So um, that was one of the main reasons I got back into education. and just began to share my insight and my knowledge as it relates to uh, finances to, to my students. So uh, I know in Duncanville, we actually got a credit union to kind of come into our campus every week. So our kids began to open up accounts and, and create their deposits. And I saw one of the parents of one of my students uh, then, probably about four months ago, you know, she said, hey, uh, he still has his account and uh, he's still adding money to it. So for me to impact a young man roughly 15 years ago, and he still has the same account that I was able to get them to start uh, is it, just so gratifying. And yeah, that that is uh Interesting. You did. You just touched on this feedback that you got from from the students and and being able to to see that impact. I'm sure that in your career, it's not always been so obvious. Sometimes the impact that you're making. So so in light of that, what's kept you going and pursuing new things in education? I would say one is just the state of education. You know, as an educator yourself, you kind of know that. We, we go through certain cycles. I, I, we have a certain group of students who are excelling. We've got another group who's not excelling at the rate that we feel they should. And we want to see them reach that level of success. And for me, in my role as a board member, I can now put certain systems and certain policies, policies in place that can provide them with the uh, best opportunities to achieve those outcomes, not that I define, but what they define or what their families define for them. And I think that's one of the um, possible issues that I think a lot of districts are trying to correct now is not just saying, here's your path for college. So now we have the CTE, the CTE path, and we have these other, um, other avenues for kids to kind of go and identify what their success truly is. And you know, that taking that leap from uh, from being an educator practitioner to actually being the boss. I mean, being a being a school board member, and I think you left out you were a school board president at one time. But to, to actually go from being an educator a practitioner to a school board member, 
what was that what was that like for you uh to actually um now be in charge of a school system in, in regards of uh working with the superintendent? It was uh definitely eye opening, you know, from a, being a teacher, you typically don't go to board meetings, you don't care about board meetings until it's time for uh, a raise. <laughs> and then you become a lot more interested. But um and then once you when I was in an in administration in the district as well, you know, we were we had to go. It was a requirement for us to be at the board meetings. And then just to sit there and listen then and see how those individuals inter- interacted and then the policy that they enacted uh, caused me a lot to reflect. You know, So once I got in the seat, uh, I was on the board for a year. I was elected president my second year on the board and again held that role for six consecutive years. I was elected for six consecutive years. Uh, and then just began to look at things from different perspectives. So I had several vantage points when we were looking at different decisions to impact the students and the district. That was one of the uh, key features for me. So, and it's looking at it as a team of eight. I think, uh, like I said, no, 2013, I had a program through TASB called Leadership TASB, in which I was able to meet with roughly 30 two to 33 other school board members throughout the state of Texas. And we took a path through different topics that impacted the state of public education in Texas and the nation. And just listening to everyone's perspective of how we need to achieve certain goals for our students really uh, elevated me to a different level of understanding and, and research for the role that I was holding as president and also being on the board. We are a single-member district where I'm elected by a, uh, a certain group of, of a certain area of Lancaster, uh, Texas. But however, with us being a one high school city, my influence ranged the entire city. So I didn't just focus on my district. The focus now became on how can we impact every student in the city. And then with the superintendent at the time, we were able to just connect and identify this is what we needed to move forward with. And, and the board, I mean, we worked as a team. Uh, in the education field, you were here, the team of eight, which includes seven board members and the superintendent. There came a point to where we truly became a team and began to work and, and move in the appropriate direction to achieve our, our mission. Which, uh, which I, I can see how most educators probably will never get that experience of actually serving on a, um, um, a, a board, a school board. And so I can see how, you know, you have a very unique set of, of expertise and experiences that would be interesting to explore a little bit more. And this idea that, you know, th- this public servant role, because you're not, you don't get on school board to get rich. Right. Well, most people don't. Most people don't think of that. So that's a true act of service, and I, and I'm just curious, um, as an educator myself, is has that experience? Do you feel like that experience has helped you become a better educator in your and what you do for a living? You know, that's, that's a great question, and uh, I guess to a degree, it, it truly has because. Before I ran for the board, it was, it was entering my daughter's senior year in high school. And my son was entering high school 
So, of course, I had to consult with them. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to consider doing this, but it's going to potentially take away from uh, some of your time. And uh, they were like, well, if you really want to do it, go ahead and do it. So uh, moving, you know, and then once I did that, man, and began to see the, the, the smiles on some of the kids' faces, and uh, probably one of the other advantage, advantages for me when I joined the board, some of the students who I had impacted when I was a math coordinator were still in district. So I had an immediate connection with some of our eighth graders, some of our middle school students, some of our high school students. And I believe the actual last group of students who I served uh, when I worked for the district graduated last year. So um, I definitely had, had a vested interest. And when those students would come to me and, and remind me, of, I remember when you pulled me aside for uh, kind of instruct me on math back in third grade or back in fourth grade, that was... Uh, very fulfilling. And uh, I remember a guy named Ray Kelly back when I was with American Express Financial Advisor. He was like, in this business, you have to have the heart of a social worker, but the mind of a capitalist. Mm -hmm. So, and he always say, <laughs> another guy always told it, never have a plan B because you always go to it. So I say both of those because once I got into the uh, advocacy component of being a school board member, the focus began and continues to be how can I improve the outcomes for the community that I serve and for the students that I serve? And then how can I take some of the successes that we've done in our district and the things that I do in, in my uh, work in Grand Prairie as well, how can I share that with the masses so they can replicate it, so we can take it to scale and impact more of the communities? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I can see you sort of broadening your perspective and and serving a larger, larger community um, with that. So, you know, thinking about this idea of being on the board, having constituents, it seems like it's um, an easy opportunity for for people to try to influence you. And um, and we all have heard horror stories of people getting into these political roles and being overwhelmed by influence and and corrupted. How do you maintain your authenticity in that? You know, just being being sort of focused on what matters most. How do you how do you maintain that? I'm really, the the one of the main things would be the foundation. Man, I remember my grandmother growing up. Uh, she always said, the only thing I have is my name. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the corner store and say you're going to get something and use my name, make sure that you get enough of what you need. Don't get too much. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to have to go back and, and, and pay for that. But you're getting it on my name. Mm -hmm. So uh, for my children and my potential grandchildren to come, I have to make sure that when they come up, they can proudly say that they are a descendant of Taji Jones and there won't be anything negative associated with it. Uh, the other component of this is that as I'm making decisions, I'm making decisions to impact students and I'm making decisions to impact those students' families. And for me to do something deceitful will pretty much jeopardize their opportunities or even cancel out anything that we've put in place for them. And that would be uh, a disservice to them 
It will be a disservice to the community and the people who elected me into this office. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's um that's really important, this connection with your name and this sort of um connection with um your legacy and uh, and seeing that uh ahead of uh of what you do and your actions is is powerful. And uh, I know as educators, I mean is this role of education is something that is very personal. I mean, we touch lives. We impact um, people for generations. I mean, I, I can think of back on, on educators that have really shaped who I am today. They've, they've done things, not just what they taught me in the books, but how they taught me really shaped who I am today. And so, you know, as you look at now that, that, that you're in this, this part of your career, when you look back, you know, what are what are some of the, the people or ideas that have really shaped who you are today that really has sort of helped you to 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 maintain that focus on authenticity? Uh one would be my grandmother. Uh spent pretty much every summer with her as a youngster. You know, you would go down every summer and uh one of the things she always did, she had a unabridged dictionary. <laughs> So uh, I was uh, one of the uh, smart grandkids, so we would spend probably 30 minutes to an hour every day or every other day looking up different words, and she focused on the etymology. And uh, she wasn't well-educated, but she was educated enough, and, and her focus was, let's look at the etymology and identify the origin of where this word came from or where these words came from. And uh, over time, I began to understand that what she was trying to instill in me or, or teach me was I need to know my history. I need to know about her, her upbringing, her education, and then try and do better than she did. So uh, from that, once I had children, I wanted them I wanted them to make sure that they did better than I did. And I think my position right now is just to do the same thing. Uh, I'm still in communication with one of the one of my elementary school teachers, um, who I she didn't actually teach me, but she was she she was a partner teacher with our, our math teacher. But when I taught her, and I became very close, and I'm still going to visit her now periodically. And uh, so those were some of the foundational pieces for me. And of course, you know my uncles, uh, my dad, and uh, teacher wise. Uh, in college, you know, there were a few professors there who had a true impact on my path, and it was a psychology professor, uh, Dr. Lentz. And then what I try and implore right now is, he said, if you ask a person a question and you're unsure uh, of their knowledge, ask them why three times. And if they can answer that question, answer those three questions, without much hesitation, then they truly know what they're talking about. And they have some, some conviction around it. So uh, I try and employ that when I'm on the dais and I'm doing my board work. So if the administration is bringing something to us to take action, uh, my question is, is or will pertain to why? Why are we instituting this? What is going to be the impact of it? And uh, when will we see the outcome? 
That's powerful. You know, it's 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 simple, but it's powerful. I mean, <laughs> and if you can't articulate that, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Right. That's pretty amazing. So you know, I know there's um there there are listeners out there who are on their way. They they are educators and they're trying to to further their career and they want to uh, one day possibly do some of the things that you're doing. What are some of the things that you would advise them to do? Um, if they choose to to possibly one day be a um, school board president or want to do more things to to be an advocate for for the community and and the students that they serve, the one thing that I would definitely say is is be active, be active in your career. Uh, I, I've begun during my consulting. I have what's known as the three R's: that's to read, relate, and reflect. Uh, R for read is to understand and know your craft and that's going to mean you getting more education if you have a bachelor's go back for for your master's or go for certain certifications or even go for your and get your master's then go toward your doctorate as you recently accomplished so definitely congratulations with that Dr. Miller <laughs> thank you uh, so that in itself is going to be the first thing I think for teachers they're so excited to get that job they never read the contract. I would uh, tell the teachers to read that contract from the first beginning at the top of the page where it has the state of Texas or whatever district it has and flip it over on the back. So read that entire contract. The items in that contract are approved in most cases by your board. Uh, the contract itself is overall going to be a state document, but there are certain components in that contract that are approved by the school board. So once you look at that and say, well, hey, I don't like this part of the contract, or can this be changed or amended, that's when your school board comes into effect. The uh, other R is going to be to relate, and that goes back to relational capacity. How do you relate to your students, to your parents, to your colleagues, and in my role as a board member, how do I relate to my constituents? How, how do I know what information they want me to share with the board, uh, with the administration and the direction that they want me to go. As a teacher, sometimes we lose sight of we have to adapt to our students and our, our students are always adapting to us. And that goes into uh, effect when we're dealing with our colleagues and friends and family as well. You know, I know you have that one uncle who, who's always aggressively speaking, <laughs> but you know, it, he's saying it from love, but that's just, that's just mm -hmm. the uh, approach he takes. And from an outsider, they may look at it as being something negative, but once you know who the individual is, you can definitely begin to understand them and know the direction in which they're going. And then lastly is to, to reflect. Uh, in most cases, we reflect on items that have gone wrong. So that's been something negative. We try and reflect on how did this happen? How can we prevent it from happening again in the future? Uh, I challenge everyone to reflect on the positive outcomes that they've gotten. And so us as educators, I think we need to begin to uh, document these, not just as doing best practices, but sending these to different uh, organizations to be publishing journals. Uh, we, we are researchers. The work that we do on a daily basis is educating students is research-based. It's action research. You know, we've been taught something. Now we're trying it on these students and hoping to yield the successes which someone said we would yield. However, we have other factors that 
we're not part of their study. You know, we have kids who are from an economically disadvantaged background. They're at a single parent home. Or the parent is working two and three jobs. So we need to reflect on those things and document that. So I think that will benefit uh, and leave a legacy for those teachers and for those students for years to come. Definitely, definitely words of wisdom there from, from a wise man, Ty, Mr. Ty G. Jones. I will say, you know, there's one thing that I did not hear you say, but I can speak to it to our listeners because I've observed you and watched you, and I definitely admire you uh, tremendously and have talked about you in many different circles. But uh, when I first met you, one of the things that really stood out to me is you actually listen. Like, you really listen to people. And uh, that shows a level of humility and a, and a and an eagerness or curiosity for learning. Because I remember talking to you at the, at the office, and you would, you sort of, that eyebrow would go up. And next thing I know, you pull out a pen, and you're starting to write things down. And uh, and I thought that was amazing. I thought it was amazing. Here you are, the, the coordinator, and you're I'm I'm just talking about different ideas and you're writing things down and figuring out different ways you can maybe incorporate it or or use it somewhere else. So uh definitely that's something that I've learned from you and I've actually tried to emulate and I know our listeners could definitely uh could benefit from that, but I just wanted to share that with everybody that you know that that is a very important um characteristic that Mr. Ty G. Jones has that I think has a uh, also helped propel him in his career. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm actually writing stuff down now as we're no. talking. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It's amazing. Well, hey, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jones, do you have any uh, interesting projects or things you're working on that you want to share with with uh, with the listeners and and um, and things that the ways that they can connect with you? Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, one of the things I started. Two years ago was a uh, radio show called Say It Loud, showcasing public education district by district to where our four school district administration and our school boards to kind of highlight some of the great things that they're doing to impact the students of their community. Uh, I plan to uh, relaunch that in the month of November. And if you would like to uh, be on the show, again, there's no charge for you at all. Uh, you have either a 30 minute slot or an hour slot, depending on what you want to share. And you just kind of let the world know, and then I will uh, end up sharing this information out on social media just to kind of let the world know that public education is alive, active, and it is a positive impact on communities. Uh, I am a product of public education. Uh, one of the other things I'm doing, uh, the three R's. I'll, I'll be at several different conferences over the next few months. I'll be in California in uh, October. I'll be in Austin at the uh, Tassa Tasby Conference uh, at the end of September. Uh, hope to be in Philadelphia presenting at the National School Board Association there the end of March, 1st of April. And um, also doing school board consulting. I'm doing consulting for, for different boards throughout the state and uh, throughout the nation. So um, from a other advocacy perspective, I'm uh, on the ballot to be the president-elect for the Texas Caucus of Black School Board members. That will uh, occur at the end of September 2018. We'll find that information out. I'm also vying to join the Texas Association of School Boards as a director for Region 10, Position D. 
system. So right now, man, I'm just active as I possibly can be, trying to impact uh, the lives of as many people as possible. I was recently appointed to the city of Lancaster as a commissioner for the Planning and Zoning Commission. I believe that term ends uh, sometime next year. And I was uh, asked to be on the TASA, which is the Texas Association of School Administrators Advocacy Committee. And that will uh, be a two-year term. And uh, my term on the school board ends 2020. And uh, just looking again, just to impact uh, as many individuals and share my insight and hopefully to galvanize uh, the efforts of so many other many people to move everything in the proper direction. That's that's amazing. I definitely uh, will have all your, your website and uh, your social media channels and all that in the show notes, so everybody can go look up Mr. Tanji Jones. Definitely a man of uh, of wisdom, a uh, very practical man, but definitely a one of a kind. He is he is an original. Uh, so definitely appreciate you uh, coming on the show. I'm I'm excited for for what's to come, and I just appreciate all the support you're giving me too in, in getting this um, this podcast going and. Definitely um, wish you all the best in your endeavors, and hopefully you have some free time. You can come back and share some more good things that you're doing uh, to support your community. So I appreciate that, Mr. Jones. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Miller. And, of course, anytime you need me, I'm here for you, man. Libra man, stick together. You know There you go. (laughs) Well, that does it for this episode of the Purpose Driven Educator. You can reach me on Twitter at Dr. Jeff Miller. That is Dr. Jeff Miller. I'll go to my show website, PurposeDrivenEducator.com and leave a comment or question about any of the content shared during this episode. You can also read some of my latest blog posts at DrJeffMiller.com. Thank you for tuning in. So, until next time, stay driven.